what a joy it is for us to worship God in spirit and in truth, call on the name of the Lord and uh, allow God to respond and answer our prayers. But it's also an opportunity for us to hear the word of God. So I'm going to ask if you would open your Bibles to the gospel of John, John chapter 10. And I'm going to read verse 29, but I want to make sure that our hearts are lined up with the heart of God. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and you're our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 29 This is Jesus speaking. Listen to what he says. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Even as we conclude our series of messages dealing with uh, he's got the whole world in his hand, we want to close out by talking about in my Father's hand. Hallelujah. In my Father's hand. This is Jesus speaking as he speaks about his person and his purpose. And he explains to them that all that is going on is in my Father's hand. And that's good to know because uh, it seems like we're living in a period of time that things are out of hand. Out of hand biologically in terms of the coronavirus and Millions of people across not only our nation but world uh, have this COVID-19 and the sickness that has shown up and hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost to this coronavirus. And even doctors and nurses are getting sick and hospital beds in some areas, they're running out of space and so much is going on because it appears biologically things are out of hand. And if that were not bad enough, it seems like economically things are out of hand. We're in an economic downturn, an economic crisis that more than 47 million jobs in the United States have been lost and uh, people's homes are on the verge of being foreclosed and cars repossessed and poverty going to another level. And people are running and and taking all of their retirement out even before it's time to retire because uh, things are out of hand, even socially. Uh, things appear to be out of hand. This social unrest, all the protests and all the marches that are going on and then sometimes the rioting that is happening and this uh, racist, uh, systemic racism that we're having to deal with and police brutality, it just, things appear to be out of hand when this, uh, the oppressor seems to have their knee uh, in the neck of black and brown people to the point that we can't breathe. And if that were not bad enough, Things appear to be out of hand politically. When we have a head of state that's more concerned with uh, how he looks than what he's doing, more concerned, it appears, with his position rather than the people in his own nation, that he'll use the, the military not to protect the citizens of the United States, but to use tear gas and violence to clear out peaceful protesters to make room for him to get a photo op in front of a church that he doesn't attend and to hold up the Bible, a book that he doesn't read about his position, not the people in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of social unrest, in the midst of an economic downturn. It seems like things are out of hand. 
But no matter how bad it appears, Jesus reminds us that he's still in control, that he's still in charge. And even when we read these words of Jesus here uh, in John chapter 10, as he's uh, helping people to understand his person and his purpose, why he came to this planet, uh, even in that time, there was difficulties and hardships and pains and persecution and oppression. I know that there are those who preach and teach God's word. And they try to make us think that in the Bible times when Jesus was walking on this earth in, in the form of humanity, uh, that somehow everybody that loved Jesus and loved God and had faith, that they were all rich and healthy. That was not the case. The Hebrew people were going through difficulty when Jesus was walking on this earth. They were being oppressed by the Roman government. They were dealing with the military police of the Romans that would come over from Rome to, to bring police brutality to them and locking them up for things they never should have gone to prison for. And the poverty that came with that and the sickness that so often is associated with poverty. That's why the Apostle Paul was going around collecting offerings from the churches in Europe to help with the poor saints in Jerusalem because of the oppression that they were facing. And Dr. Theron Williams talks about why do we keep hearing about centurions in the scripture in Israel in the first century? Centurions? You know, those are Roman soldiers that commanded at least a hundred soldiers, centuries, centurions. So here is a Roman soldier commanding a hundred Roman soldiers in Israel. Why are they not in Rome? But here we see pockets of them in Israel because it is a military occupation that they've come over to intimidate and to dominate the Hebrew people with persecution and oppression. And in the face of all of that, where it seemed like everything was out of hand, here is what Jesus says. Jesus started talking about how we are his sheep and that as his sheep, we are in the shepherd's hand. We're in the Savior's hand. Let me read it to you in John chapter 10, verse 27. Verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That Jesus, when we put our faith in him, he gives us eternal life. We get saved. We become Christians. We become his children. Jesus says, we become his sheep, and we are in the Savior's hand even when it appears that everything is out of hand. In the Savior's hand? Y'all, that's good news. That's the, the same hand that turned water into wine. The same hand that healed a man that had been paralyzed for 38 years, but Jesus made it possible for him to walk. It's the Jesus' hand, the Savior's hand. That's the same hand that walked on the water, that same hand that calmed the storm, the same hand that took two pieces of fish and five biscuits and began to pray and to break them and then to feed more than 5,000 people. It's the same hand that took mud and put it on a blind man's eyes and told him to go wash, and when he did, he came back seeing. And Jesus said, even when it appears that everything is out of hand, remember that you're in the Savior's hand. Matter of fact, in John chapter 10, he doesn't just refer to himself as Savior. He's given us, he saved us, gave us eternal life. But he refers to himself as shepherd. He says, you're my sheep and you're in the shepherd's hand. Now, that may not mean a lot 
to those of us like me to live in a big city and uh, in the 21st century. And, uh, but in, in the Bible days in the first century when Jesus talked about himself being the shepherd and those of faith being sheep, that was a big deal to them. They understood, what a, they understood how far a shepherd would go for his sheep. Jesus said, I'm the shepherd. They knew that a shepherd, a good shepherd, would leave 99 sheep and go after one lost sheep. And when finding that lost sheep, will pick him up with his hands and bring him back to the fold. We're in the shepherd's hands. They knew how far a shepherd would go for their sheep. Y'all, shepherds would lead sheep and would feed sheep. And the only responsibility of the sheep was to follow where the shepherd leads and to eat what the shepherd feeds. It's, he's our shepherd. And when we follow where he leads and eat what he feeds, then all of our needs are met. That's because we lack nothing. We would want for nothing because a shepherd will make his sheep lie down in green pasture. Everything the sheep need can be found in the pasture. And he leads beside still waters to make sure that all of those fundamental basic needs are being met. And the shepherd is doing that. And not only provisions, because my God shall supply all you need, not only provisions as a shepherd, but the protection that we get from Jesus being our shepherd. Protection, yeah, even if we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because the Lord is with us. And his rod and his staff, they comfort us. They show up and give us what we need to protect us, Jesus says. Even when things are out of hand, don't you forget that we're in the shepherd's hand. We're in the, sh the, the, the Savior's hand. And how far will a shepherd go for his sheep? Jesus says that I will lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus said in chapter 10, don't confuse uh, me as the shepherd. Verse 12 says, a hireling. That's the King James Version, a hireling. He's talking about a hired hand. He said, don't, don't confuse the shepherd's hand with a hired hand. He said that there will be hired hands that they will meet the needs of sheep and they will address sheep and they'll feed sheep and give sheep uh, something to drink. But when a wild animal shows up and when predators show up and when wild beasts show up and when robbers and thieves show up, man, the hired hands take off running. They don't, they don't put their lives on the line for sheep. But Jesus said, I'm not a hired hand. <laughs> this is the shepherd's hand. And as the shepherd, y'all, the shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. He says it over and over again in, in verse 15 and 17 and 18 that I lay my life down for the sheep. I lay my life down for the sheep. And then he said, if I lay my life down, and Jesus said, I got the power to pick it up again. So all the hell we may be going through when things seem out of hand, uh, just understand we're in the shepherd's hand and he loves us so much that he lays his life down. Here's what the apostle Paul says about that. He says that, that God, who has given us his son, will he not freely give all things to us? Yo, he's given us his best in Jesus. And since he's given us his best in Jesus, will he not freely give us everything we need to make? Because he will even lay down his life for the sheep. Uh, there's been a, a theological discussion, a theological argument for more than 2,000 years now. Just who is responsible for the death of Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross 
to pay the penalty for your sins and mine so that even now whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the argument is, who's responsible for the death of Jesus? Is it the chief priests and, and the Pharisees who manipulated and orchestrated his crucifixion behind the scene? Or is it Judas, that disciple that betrayed Jesus with a kiss? Or is it Peter that denied Jesus three times in the same night? Who's responsible for the death of Jesus? Or is it Pilate, the one who judged Jesus and said, I find no fault in him, but had him crucified anyway? Or the Roman soldiers, the ones who beat him and the ones who nailed his hands to the cross and nailed his feet to the cross and raised up that cross? Who's responsible for the death of Jesus? And I don't know why we keep arguing about that. Jesus already made it clear. No one has taken my life. Jesus said, I lay my life down. And if I lay my life down, I'll pick it up again. Jesus is showing us the kind of power he has, the kind of authority he has, that our lives are in the hand of the shepherd, in the hand of the Savior, that he knows how to handle and has the ability and the power to handle whatever it is we face. Things are, seem out of hand, but it's really in his hand that he's, he's the shepherd. He's the one that laid his life. He's the one that provides for us. Uh, there was this little boy who had so much ingenuity and so much creativity that he made his own boat with his own hand. He put it together. He painted it, put a sail on it, and he's playing with it at the water. As he's down at that body of water playing with his boat, so a wave comes and begins to take his boat from him, and the wave is taking his boat further and further away from him. And he stood there with tears in his eyes watching the waves take away the boat that he made with his own hands and ingenuity and creativity. And then about three or four weeks later, he's walking down the street in that little community he lived in at the corner store, and in that corner store in the window was his boat with a price tag on it. That's the boat he made. He runs into the corner store and he tells the owner of the store, he said, Mr., that boat you have in the window, that's my boat. I made that boat. I designed it. I put it together. I painted it. I put the sail on it. That's my boat. And I want you to give me my boat. And the owner said, now, you may have made that boat, but that boat has a price on it. And the only way you're going to get that boat is you got to pay the price. Little boy left the store, and for the next uh, several days, he was out raking leaves and cutting grass, and he made enough money to go and buy the boat. He goes into the store, and he buys the boat at the counter from the owner, and he takes it back down to that water, and he's so happy. And he says to the boat, I made you with my own hands. The waves took you away, and I just bought you back. I'm trying to explain to you what our good shepherd, what our Savior did for us that he made us with his own hands. It is he that have made us and not we ourselves. And even though Jesus made us with his own hands, sin took us away. That sin has separated us from God. And then Jesus went out on a hill called Calvary and shed his blood. The apostle Paul said he bought us with a price, his own blood. And then when you and I believe in his death, and burial and resurrection, put our faith in the work of God, we become Christians, we become saved. And listen to what Jesus says to us. I made you with my own hands. Sin has taken you away, but I just bought you back. Yo, I know things look out of hand, but when that happens, remember, uh, we're in the Lord's hands. 
And then Jesus says, not only are we in his hand. He says, but then he's in the Father's hand. You got to get this. That we're in the hand of, of Jesus. Jesus gets into the hand of the Father and says, now no one's going to be able to snatch me, snatch us out of the Father's hand. So the sheep and the shepherd are in the hand. Jesus didn't say the hand of God. He said the hand of my Father. And in John 10, he repeatedly refers to God as my Father. The Father and I are one. The Father loves me. Because even when all hell is breaking loose, even when there is social injustice, even when there is oppression and poverty, even when it looks like things are out of hand, Jesus still refers to God as my father. I still have this relation. And not only is he my father, but my father, he says, is greater than all. And the sheep and the shepherd, you and I and Jesus are in the hand of God. And he says, and no one can snatch us out of, I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how out of control it looks. I don't care how out of hand it looks. God is still on the throne. God is still my father and God is still in charge. God is still in control. Hallelujah to the lamb is in the father's hand. Y'all, that's the, the same hand that created the universe. The hand of the father. That, that's the same hand when the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved and God said, let there be, and there was. That's the same hand that brought order out of disorder. The hand of the Father, that's the same hand that separated uh, the light from the darkness and the light he called day and the darkness he called night. That's the same hand that separated the land from the waters and told the rivers and the oceans to go so far and stop right there. That's the same hand of God that heaped up the mountains and scooped out the valleys. It's the same hand of my father that took the sun, the moon, and the stars and screwed them in their silvery sockets and they've been shining ever since. It's the same hand of my father that healed me of cancer. I'm trying to tell you that everything is going to be all right because Jesus said that we're in the hand of the Father and no one shall snatch us out of his hand. I know sometimes it looks bad. It looks, sometimes it looks like God is not in control. It looks like God is not in charge. It looks like things are out of hand. But I'm trying to tell you what Jesus said, that even when it looks bad, we're still in the, he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me brother in his hand. He's got you and me sister in his hand. He's got the little bitty babies in his hand. He's got the whole world in his I'm trying to tell you that even when it doesn't look like it, Jesus says it is so. When Jesus was standing before Pilate to be judged, where he would go to die on the cross, right before he would die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, he's standing before Pilate. And Pilate it's trying to get Jesus to talk. Are you a king? Are you the king of the Jews? Why are you? And Jesus didn't say anything. Uh, he was like a sheep before the slaughter. And he didn't say a word. He was silent. And then Pilate said this to Jesus. You need to talk to me. Don't you know I have the power to free you or the power to crucify you? And then Jesus, in essence, says, see, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm going to have to say something now because I got to get this cleared up. You have no power 
except my Father in heaven gives it to you. You have no authority except my Father in heaven gives it to you. I know it looks like from your perspective, you're in control and you're in charge. And it looks so bad for me and for others, but I need you to understand, even with this, my father's in control because Jesus said, because I can call for a legion of angels, right? A legion of angels? Yeah. Anywhere between 2,000 and 6,000 angels. And I can call for thousands of angels to show up right now and shut all of this down. But Jesus, in essence, and the reason I'm not doing that because my father's up to something. My father's getting ready to take this experience that I'm going through that looks out of hand because it's in his hand and brings salvation to the world. But you have no power because my God, my father has all the power. And that's my word to you. Even when it looks bad, even when it looks like it's out of control, even when it looks like we're not going to make it, just know no one can snatch us from the powerful hand of my father. Here in, in Romans 8, in Romans chapter 8, it says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Not past, not the present, not the future, not sickness, not poverty, not persecution, nothing, not principalities and wickedness, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Some people, when they read that, they think that's talking about our love for God. They think, oh, we love God so much that nothing that happens in this world or in my life is going to separate uh, me from the love of God. That's not talking about our love for God. Because if we'll be honest, our, our love is supposed to be a, uh, it's, it's supposed to be a maximum of evaluating needs and meeting needs, a maximum of intention and action. But come on now, let's be honest. Our love is filled with so much emotion. And you know emotions run up and down the scale. Sometimes you feel like it, and sometimes you don't. And it's not talking about our love for God. When the Apostle Paul says nothing shall separate us from the love of God, it's talking about God's love for us. That there's nothing that you and I experience in this world that can snatch us or rob us or separate us or divide us from the love of God. And God has demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Some people think because all hell is breaking loose. Some people think that somehow God must not love us. I know God loves us because nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And God proved his love to us when Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. It's not our love for God that's keeping us with him. It's God's love for us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. When I was a young father, I, I started having children early in my life. I was in my mid-20s. And so I'm a young father and I got young children and I tried to expose. We go to the Colts games downtown Indianapolis and Pacers games downtown Indy and the Indianapolis Zoo and the canal. We go on cruises and, and we'd be in different situations. And in these different situations, there would be times I would sense that danger could happen. And I would tell my sons, all right, now grab daddy's hand, hold on to daddy's hand. And my little young children they would grab my hand and they'd try to hold on to my hand. But I didn't just trust them holding on to my hand because anything could happen. A car could get out of control and they might become frightful and, and become scared. And out of that fear, they might let go of their father's hand. 
or they might uh, start slipping into a water somewhere and, and then out of fear, uh, they might let go of their father's hand. Something may go on, some danger may happen. And if I'm just trusting them to hold my hand, they might let go of my, but I don't just trust them to hold my hand. When I tell them to hold my hand, when they grab my hand, then I hold on to their hand. Because no matter what gets out of control, no matter what happens, I love my children so much that I will never let them go. And if you and I, even at the level we are, know how to do right by our children, how much more, Jesus says, my father, how he holds us in his hand and that no one shall snatch us out of his hand. I got one more thing and I'm done with that. I just wanted to encourage you today that even when things appear to be out of hand, that we're in the Savior's hand and the sheep and the Savior are in the hand of the Father. And here's the last thing, that God has the upper hand. Man, we listen to government officials and world officials and employers and, and, and we, we somehow think that they have the upper hand. We listen to the oppressor and the white supremacists, and, and we start thinking that they got the upper No, they don't have the upper hand. Our heavenly Father has the upper hand. Jesus said that in, in John, St. John chapter 10, verse 29, that God, my Father, is greater than all. I searched all over. Couldn't find nobody. I, I searched high and low. Couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater than he is. And God always has the upper hand, even when it doesn't look like it, even when it seems like your employer or some government official or some racist has the, no, it's always God. And I know that to be the case because here's what the Apostle Paul says. Uh, about Jesus, that God has highly exalted him and has given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. Every tongue has to confess to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. God has the upper hand. God has given Jesus a name that's above every name. When it says name, it's not just a label, y'all. Uh, names to Hebrew people are indicators of power or indicators of authority, indicators of nature. God has given Jesus power that's above every power. God has given Jesus authority that's above every authority. God has given Jesus a name that's above every name. So whatever power, whatever authority, whatever name you have to face in your life, remember Jesus is greater. God has the upper hand. God has given him a name greater than that. Uh, so you can put in the name white supremacist, uh, but Jesus' name is greater than that. You can, you can put in the name uh, rooted systemic racism, but Jesus, he's greater than that. You can put in the name police brutality, but his name is, you can put in the name sexism or ageism or racism, but his name is greater than that. You can put in the name coronavirus or put in the name heart disease or put in the name cancer or put in the name high blood pressure or put in the name poverty 
or put in the name depression. Whatever name you put in there, Jesus' name is greater than that name. Jesus is in control. Jesus is in charge. It is in his hand, and he's in the Father's hand, and he's got the whole world in his hand, and God still has the upper hand because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's a way out in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. There's joy in the name of Jesus. God has highly exalted him, given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Uh, there's a name that I love to hear. It sounds like music in my ear. It's the sweetest name I know. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And I'm like the old preacher. The more I say it, the better I feel. Jesus in the morning. Jesus at noonday. Jesus in the midnight hour. So when you feel like all things are out of hand, remember you're in the Lord's hand and he's got the upper hand. And I guarantee you that he'll make everything all right. He's got the whole world. In his hand, Jesus says, I give to them. My sheep know my voice. They know me. They hear me. They won't listen to anybody else. They, they're in my hand. My father gave them to me. And they're in my father's hand. And nobody should snatch them out. Are you sure that you've confessed the hope in Christ Jesus for that eternal life and that super abundant life? There is no life outside of Jesus. You need to be his sheep. You need to be a Christian. You need to be a child of God to have that assurance that no one is going to snatch you from the hand of the Father.